So Christian, my daughter has a interest in this podcast, as you might expect. And she told me she thought that we need a jingle. She didn't think that our intro music was enough, that we needed something that was a little more intense. So she has offered to sing the jingle for you, and then you can give it a yay or nay. You know, I'm already just going to rubber stamp this. Let's do this. We need a jingle. We need it now. All right. Hit it, girl. There are cards with monsters. There are cards with birds. There are cards with half-people birds. But I can't think of anything else because I'm a six-year-old girl. Yay! Oh, that's great, honey. I am just, I'm so impressed. And, um, you know, it is true that there are cards with monsters and there are cards with birds and there are cards with half-people birds. They're called Avon. They they are called Avon. I didn't know that they were called Avon. That's really weird. Hello, I'm David Prestwick. And I'm Christian Wright. Welcome to another episode of Let's Remember Some Cards. This week in episode 9, we're talking about a card near and dear to our hearts, Swords to Plowshares. That's right, the versatile one white mana removal spell first printed in Alpha. We are talking about this because we staked on it winning the entire magic bracket, but it lost to the more iconic and cooler Wrath of God in the top 16. But David, you are an absolutely fantastic write-up about it. Thank you. Yeah, the creator of the bracket, David Lyford Smith, who you can see uh, on Twitter at Savia Wanderer, put out a call for people to write testimonials for cards, and I responded. Swords to Plowshares was one of the available cards, and I jumped at that because I love the card. Um, you know, if you follow us on Twitter at RememberMTG, you've seen us pumping up Swords to Plowshares whenever it was up for a vote, as well as sharing our daily votes in the bracket. So, uh, you know, we've been on this for a while. Swords uh, did really well in the bracket. It uh, beat cards such as Island, uh, podcast favorite Stasis. Oh, take that. Plans- yeah, that's right. Planeswalkers like Elspeth Sun's Champion and Chandra Torch of Defiance. Um, so, you know, it's not like it was going up against uh, other weak cards. Oh, no. But I think it's just a testament to its staying power and its iconicness. Yeah, iconicness. I'll go with that. I think that could be a word. Yeah. So uh, in round 10, when Swords to Pleasures beat Island, I had a bet with our uh, friend of the show, Greg Michael, who had written the testimonial for Island. Um, If Island had won, we would have him on our podcast here, which, look, we're still going to do because Greg is great. Uh, But because Swords to Pleasures won, uh, I will be on his formerly Magic the Amateuring, now Good Luck High Five stream some Thursday night. So uh, look for that and we'll let you know on our Twitter feed when that will be in the future. I'm looking forward to it. Before we get into Swords to Plowshares, though, David, you know what's up. Yeah, let's remember that. Okay, random button on Scryfall. You know the drill. Oh, we got a fun one today. This is Eldrazi Monument. Is this the Eldrazi Monument, the five-mana artifact from Zendikar? That's right. Five mana artifact from Zendikar. Mythic rare. Creatures you control get plus one, plus one, have flying, and are indestructible. There's a little more text. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice a creature. If you can't, you sacrifice Eldrazi Monument. Uh, This is a really good commander card. Gee, are there any commanders that make a bunch of tokens so you have enough of them to sacrifice? I mean, I guess there's what? Gave? Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. So... I have this uh, card in my Dave, in my Dave Guru of Spores deck. Uh, 
yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. But you know, uh, Reese the Redeemed, Krenko Mob Boss. There are a ton of options for uh, commanders that create a bunch of tokens. In addition to other commander cards that create tokens at the beginning of your upkeep, so then you just stack the triggers so you get the token, and then you have one to sacrifice to monument. It was. It's been an all star ever since it's been printed. Absolutely. I mean, my token deck. You know, I certainly have the commander who we will not name, uh, but creatures like Mycaloth, Tendershoot Dryad, enchantments like Awakening Zone or From Beyond that just get you all of these expendable bodies, you know, and if you're doubling tokens, obviously you have enough. But it's a card that because you play it and your team gets plus one, plus one flying an indestructible that turn, sometimes that's just enough to win the game, especially if you've gone very wide and things are gummed up. Giving your whole team flying, it's a good way to go. And I don't know about you, but I've seen it also paired with a Chroma's Memorial which is a seven mana legendary artifact, but it basically makes your creatures turn into a chroma. And it seems to be the flavor with tokens, coat of arms, chroma's memorial, and Eldrazi monument, the three powerhouse artifacts. Absolutely. A chroma's memorial for the record, uh, gives creatures you control flying first strike, vigilance, trample haste, also protection from black and protection from red. So, are you um, sure you know, you got all those, that sounds like the kitchen sink. Yeah, I mean, you get the indestructible from Eldrazi Monument, and then you have double flying. So, double flying. how can you go wrong? So that's fun. So, David, Swords to Plowshares. Yeah, so Swords to Plowshares, a single white mana for an instant. Exile target creature, its controller gains life equal to its power. Super simple, first printed in alpha, iconic card, been around since the beginning of the game. Yeah, it's been a staple, it's been a classic since the beginning. Let's just really let's just go right into it let's first talk about the flavor though where does the phrase swords to plowshares come from david so swords to plowshares is a biblical phrase it's from isaiah chapter 2 verse 4 and it reads like this and he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks nations shall not lift up sword against nation neither shall they learn war anymore it's very simple. It's yearning for a world in which implements of war have been turned into implements of peace, things like agricultural tools. Uh, war is no longer necessary in the world. And that's what Swords to Plowshare does. It exiles a creature. There's no more fighting. Its controller gains some life because now instead of a sword, it has a plowshare. Yeah, so it's very resonant. You look at the original art and it's a farmer in his field with a scythe. And Imagine you open you open your first alpha pack and you see this card and maybe you know about White Knight, maybe you don't, but you really can imagine that he was some fearsome soldier or warrior and now he's tending the farm and he's living a pastoral life and it's just fantastic. It Yeah, it's really evocative. It's very clean, it's very simple. I mean the art is simple, but it's beautifully done. Uh Jeff Mangus art, very iconic. Primary reprint is a beautiful Therese Nielsen piece. I mean, if you're going to reprint an iconic card and you're going to use new artwork, get Therese. It's great. She depicts a warrior appearing to question the choices that he he's made, maybe ponder a new way. It's really gorgeous. Uh, take a look at it for sure. And then there are a couple of other arts. Uh, the art that first appeared in Ice Age has a sword literally turning into a dove, which might be a bit on the nose. Uh, <laughs> the Judge promo art is a soldier swinging a sword kind of weirdly morphing into a farmer swinging a hoe and i want to give that a big meh um you know but the two primary arts are the ones that are iconic um and they've been printed a ton so if you count special decks and online only printings swords to plowshares has been printed total 37 times which is the most of any card except for giant growth and the most among cards that aren't eligible for modern printings 
it's a card that people want. Uh, it was a card that was played a lot in early Magic. A lot of those printings are Magic World Championship deck printings. So if you look on Scryfall, there's a lot of gold bordered sorts of plashers with people's signatures and that's because it was the best single target removal spell in early magic and everyone played it power level wise swords to plowshares is the most versatile most efficient removal spell ever printed it's one mana it's an instant it exiles a creature there are no restrictions there may be a drawback but there are no restrictions this is the spell that all other removal spells absolutely want to be i think it's a worth having discussion of why it costing one mana is I think the biggest reason why it's so good it's just fundamental like we can go in really in depth into the idea of like resource costs and what cards what it means to be one mana versus two mana I think with one mana the fact is you could play almost anything and still keep a mana up there's nothing more efficient in the game outside of something costing zero mana it's so easy to have a planes open like it's it's amazing Absolutely. I mean, I think when Ryan Overturf came and came and gave us his signature spell book, he talked about the importance of one mana spells. I mean, most of the spells on his list were one mana blue and red spells, and that's because you have a ton of flexibility. You get to double spell, triple spell sometimes in internal formats, certainly, and that flexibility where you can kill a creature and still do the other things you need to do is incredibly valuable. What also is so good about it, as we talked about, you exile creatures and there's no restrictions. Exiling is so much better than destroying a creature. And since magic's been printed, there are ways to bring creatures back from the graveyard. And Swords to Plowshare says, no, you're a farmer forever, force of nature. You go back into your swamp and you farm some peat moss. Or, hey, black, well, not black knight, that's protection from white. But any other big creature, craw worm, now you're just going to be a worm doing your thing in a field or whatever. Like, that's it. Swords of Plowshares deals with stuff and it's done. That's right. You exile a creature, they can't get it back from the graveyard. They can't regenerate it. It doesn't get a dies trigger, which is relevant on a ton of cards. It just handles the thing. When you absolutely positively need to kill a thing, it's the way to do it. And as you mentioned, it's been a tournament staple for as long as it's been a card. Yeah, it was in the first tournament winning world championship deck from with zach dolan he played a lot of one ofs he played a lot of random cards but you know what he played four of swords to plowshares so four swords to plowshares in the first world championship deck what year was that 1994 wow so remember this card was an alpha it's legitimately 25 years old and still playable today so i went to mtg goldfish's format staples website and looked up Swords to Plowshares, and here's some of the things I learned. It's currently the sixth most played card in Legacy. The only cards more played are Brainstorm, Force of Will, Ponder, Surgical Extraction, and Thoughtseize. Three of those are really one-mana cards. Two of those are really free cards. And Swords to Plowshares is the first white card on the list. It's in 24% of Legacy decks, and those decks average 3.8 copies, so they're almost playing four. That means Death and Taxes, Miracles, Stoneblade, whether you're playing Esper or Jeskai... Um, these are top decks, and they're all playing four Swords to Plowshares. Oh, yeah, and this would get played no matter what. It's just one of those cornerstone cards that, honestly, if it didn't exist or if cards like it didn't exist, you would have a lot of problems in whatever format you have. The fact that it does is a nice little pressure valve so creature decks just don't go absolutely bananas. That's right. I mean, a great way to get rid of a Gurmag Angler that your opponent is casting for one and delving out of the graveyard. You know, you're basically trading even resources on that. Sometimes you don't care if your opponent gains, you know, 20 life, say if you're exiling. 
a merit lage token or however much life they have on a, whatever dumb Eldrazi they're playing except for Embercool. Like, it does the thing it absolutely does when he needs to, and that's such a valuable commodity in older formats. And in newer formats. EDHrec.com, which has a bunch of statistics about commander cards, shows that Swords of Plushers is the sixth most played non-land card in the entire format. Sixth. That's so crazy. listen to the cards that are played more than Swords. Soul Ring, Lightning Greaves, Cyclonic Rift, Swift Foot Boots, and Solemn Simulacrum. Notice that's four colorless cards and Cyclonic Rift, which is the most busted card in the format. <laughs> so four of those can go in any deck. Look, it's the most pl- white, played white card by far. It's 69% more than the second card on the list, which is Path to Exile. And white has a lot nice. of great cards, right? The fact that its fixed cousin is the second most played is ridiculous. But you have Sun Titan, you have Wrath of God, which I played this a lot more than Swords of Plowshares in my EDH decks. Return to Dust, Oblivion Ring. It's just not even close. There's just some appeal to it that makes it so versatile. I want to point out, too, that... Having it behind Cyclonic Rift means that it's the second most played instant. That means more decks play Swords to Plowshares than Counterspell proper. That's, that's crazy to me. That's insane. Absolutely insane. We talked. We just went through a whole spiel about how great this card is. And probably as it deserves to be, or maybe not, one of the cards that wins the MTG bracket. What's wrong with this card? Like, What makes it egregiously unfair? You know, the only real criticism is that the card is just too powerful. It's so efficient. It's so unconditional. White isn't really supposed to have that without major drawbacks. I mean, there is a drawback here, but it's not major. Usually the restrictions are it only exiles an attacking creature or there's some other condition. And we'll talk about similar cards in a little bit. How serious is this drawback, really? It's not. And I think part of the problem is it was a victim of their lowered expectations when magic was released i've read multiple places how richard garfield thought black lotus in the moxon wouldn't be an issue for example because they're rare and he thought maybe there's one in a playgroup and it's self-policing except that's not the case and the fact that it's an uncommon the expectation originally was probably oh maybe people have one or two copies in each of their decks but that's it like gets rid of one creature but you're not going to have why would you play four of this well you would play four of this but why would everyone have four of this right that's not the case no i think the other thing is this was one of the first ways you could learn the lesson that life is a resource um you know there were cards where your life was a resource like channel famously um but this is your opponent's life what's the harm in your opponent gaining five life in exchange for their shiv and dragon for example this is when i think that the original designers thought that life was a more important thing to hang on to than it is because you saw cards like healing cell and stream of life which was just x and a green for a sorcery where you gain x life um you know those cards are not playable we know now that incidental life gain is fine but you're not going to play cards that just purely gain you life except in extreme corner cases it's really not as big a drawback as i think they expected it to be it's better to cast swords and have your opponent gain five life than it is for you to lose five life. Well, and here's the secret about that too, which is something I think it's one of the stepping stones when you're learning magic is that if a creature stays in the battlefield, you're not just losing whatever life equal to their power is, right? Like if you have a 2-2 attacking you, you're not just losing two life. If you don't kill it, it keeps dealing you 
to damage until you either die or you deal with it. And that's just how much more powerful removal is than permanence, period. It saves you so much life down the line, and it saves you... It stops you from dying, which is more important than having a big life total. So, David, let's talk about the cards most similar to Swords to Plowshares. That's right. Cards that are not as good as Swords to Plowshares, but are kind of close. We're going to call these the top eight Sword of Plowshares. These are the closest analogs. You would never play these ahead of Swords, but look, they follow the rules. They are instants, they cost one white mana, and they exile a creature. What else can you ask for? Exactly. So let's start first with our honorable mention. It's Excise. Technically, it is one white mana. This is printed in Prophecy. It's X and a white. Uh, exile target attacking creature from the game and lets his controller pays X. So, yeah, only technically one mana. Um, this seems pretty bad to me and really easy to play around. What, you don't like the whole Rhystic mechanic where you had to count how much mana was on the other side of the player's table and then you had to, like kind of game it and then hope they wouldn't pay that mana like really if, if we're not playing commander and it's not rhystic study then no i hate every part of that <laughs> you're missing out <laughs> so yeah hey are there any other honorable mentions we want to talk about yeah i think there's one i think we should throw out blazing hope from rivals of ixalan uh, again one white mana for an instant you exile target creature with power greater than or equal to your life total this seems terrible more like blazing nope <laughs> blazing nope i mean if you're facing down a 2020 indestructible merit lage maybe this is reasonable uh people talked about it maybe as a sideboard card against death shadow but there are i'm gonna say literally 20 better options against death shadow than this card oh we're gonna talk about some of them too which is even better that sounds good so we'll go to our top eight uh we have ranked these in reverse order from eight to one if you disagree with our rankings feel free to tell us on twitter or remember mtg um that's your job and uh you know i think they're infallible but people may disagree all right what's our number eight number eight is gideon's defeat just to preface this listeners every single card in here is one white in an instant so we're not going to repeat that just know Every single one of these cards is one white and instant. Gideon's Defeat, it says, Exile target white creature that's attacking or blocking. If it was a Gideon Planeswalker, you gain not three, not four, but five life. So this is what you see from a lot of this white removal. It's conditional. It has to be a creature that's attacking or blocking. In this case, it also has to specifically be white. So it's extremely, extremely narrow. This was a cycle in Hour of Devastation where each of the Gatewatch Planeswalkers met their imminent defeat against one Nicol Bolas. What, what? They all are kind of fit the same mold, and this one is just the saddest of them all. Yeah, although getting rid of a Gideon Planeswalker, if you're in a standard that has a very good Gideon Planeswalker, seems actually reasonable. Good in a mirror match if you're in a standard with Gideon allies of Zendikar. This was not. Right. And the other thing is you're just giving me five life. It's like healing salve no offense to healing salve lovers out there that card sucks i'll just go out and say it you can offend healing salve lovers that's fine yeah all right the number seven card on our list is isolate this is from m19 it's a rare exile target permanent with converted mana cost one we're probably cheating a little bit because this is exiling a permanent so it's better than strictly exiling a creature it's funny that this was printed in m19 
presumably the main target for it was Deathrite Shaman, which was banned in the format it is most played in right after this was printed. It's cruel, cruel irony, really. You know, like, everyone's like, oh, Deathrite Shaman, too strong. It's too strong. I don't know if it's too strong. Big debate. But Isolate would have solved that answer, and Wizards did it for us. So thank you, Wizards. Yeah, I don't think this would have been a perfect answer to Deathrite Shaman because it's still very narrow. But besides Deathrite Shaman, what cards are you hitting with this? In Modern, you have Expedition Map. In Standard and Modern, you have Lalanor Elves. In You also have Monastery Swift Spear. Help me out here. Do we have any others that you can think of? Yeah, the two that I thought of right away were Delver of Secrets and Aether Vial. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I forget that. Not that I forget, but like... You don't think that they're one mana because usually they're in play and you just get really angry that you already have to deal with something. I think it's too soon to tell on this card, but it is extremely narrow. So our next one is Timed Reflect. So this one is Exile Target Creature that blocked or was blocked by a zombie this turn. Gideon's Defeat, kind of super narrow. Again, we're in the narrow range of what we're playing with here. If you're as if you playing zombies, it was quite playable, but otherwise... Eh. You know, I don't know. Like, I played it some. I was never impressed, but it did It did some work. You're jumping through a lot of hoops here, and this also requires you to block or be blocking, which in Amonkhet Limited was not really a thing. I definitely played this card in Limited a few times, but it was never super exciting. Uh, we've got a very similar card at our Sword of Plowshares number five. It's a Unified Strike. Unified Strike was printed in Onslaught. It's... Exile target attacking creature if its power is less than or equal to the number of soldiers on the battlefield. Was this a reasonable limited card? Yeah, soldiers was a tribe. You played it. There was some good soldier card. One of them, if I remember correctly, had provoke and you had some amplify soldiers, and it was fine. Like it was removal. Like it was later in the pack. But if you were playing soldiers, it's a nice, nice pickup. I have a EDH deck that is every creature in the it is a human and a soldier. And so I play this because it's basically unconditional removal at that point, other than the creature has to be attacking. Our next one, next card, is Reciprocate. This special fella is Exile Target Creature that dealt damage to you this turn. Why is this number four, David? I'm a little confused on this one. Well, first of all, we like cards from Champions of Kamigawa. Yeah! So Look it up there. It's a really interesting take on the drawback, I think. So it's a little higher on our list because it's not an attacking or blocking creature. The creature actually has to deal damage to you. I guess that also lets you just or exile things like Prodigal Sorcerer or other things that are doing damage in other weird ways. But other than that limitation, it's unlimited. Well, this is the problem, right? Like 95% of the time, you're trying, you're going to hit a creature that's punched you in the face. Source of Plowshares was designed for that not to happen. It saved you the bad juju of getting punched in the face in the first place by a creature, right? It was like, haha, yeah. joking. Get out of my face. Because this requires the creature to have done damage to you, it's not like a card that just says attacking or blocking where you can do it before it deals the damage. It means when the creature's coming in, you can't chump it because it actually needs to hit you. So you may take a bunch of damage before you exile the creature. That's just not where you want to be. Not where you want to be at all. That's why these cards are sort of plowshares and not swords to plowshares. So what's our number three card, David? Uh, number three is Dispatch. I like this one a lot. This is from New Phyrexia. It says, tap target creature. But wait, there's more. It has Metalcraft. If you control three or more artifacts, exile that creature. Yeah, now we're getting into some good ones. If you're playing this card, you'll be able to get Metalcraft. Oh, easily. And the thing was, this was 
Scars of Mirrodin Limited. This was printed in New Phyrexia. Everyone was playing artifacts, so 95% of the time this was exiling a creature. The 5% was when they killed one of your artifact creatures and blew you out, and you were just tapping a creature all of a sudden. And it was all set up to be great, but we had a little menace that stopped it in its tracks. What was that? Cobblade! Cobblade! Yes. No, that would that would be significant trouble. I just like the fact that it's if you have metalcraft and you're putting this in a deck where you can easily get metalcraft, it's just unconditional. It just exiles a creature. Right. I mean, you had to jump through some hoops, but this is also the same block that had Mox Opal. So, how many hoops were you really jumping through? Yeah, probably not a ton. Probably not a ton. All right, give us our number two. Number two, it's condemn. Condemn is put target attacking creature on the bottom of its owner's library. Its controller gains life equal to its toughness. Yeah, this card is sweet. It's from uh, it's an uncommon from Dissension, and the creature has to be attacking. This doesn't exactly exile it, but for the most part, putting it on the bottom of its owner's library does functionally the same thing. They don't get dies, triggers, uh, and they can't reanimate it. Right. And when this was standard legal, it was played because it was effectively source to plowshares. doesn't see much play in modern where it's the only place it's legal right now because of fetch lands. It's not a guarantee the creature you put on the bottom of your library will stay there if it gets shuffled to the top, but that's all theoretical. Um, and also, it's suspect tech against Death Shadow because theoretically you can exile one of their creatures, have them gain more than 15 life, and then they have two dead creatures, and that seems awesome. Yeah, that seems reasonable. We should also mention Oust here. Oust is one white mana for a sorcery that is a little bit similar. You put target creature into its owner's library second from the top, and its controller gains three life. It's kind of a worse version of it. But these cards are often thought of together. They both saw a lot of play in EDH, back when the tuck rule was a thing where you could tuck someone's commander into their deck when the rule was changed to allow you to put your commander back into the command zone anytime it changed zones cards that would put your commander back in your deck became much less powerful and so it it lost a lot of its uh, influence right it also sees a tiny bit of play both these cards do because of meddling mage so if the meddling mage names a certain one white mana source of plowshares like card which we're about to discuss you might not be able to remove it, so you have to have a backup just in case, so you can be able to cast that card. That seems reasonable. Well, I'm going to give you guys the number one sort of plowshares, which I think probably you're expecting. It's Path to Exile. Path to Exile was originally printed in Conflux, and it says simply, Exile target creature. Its controller may search their library for a basic land card. You put that card onto the battlefield tapped, and then they shuffle their library. So this is... A real card unlike all of the other cards on this list it's the second most played card in modern it's great in modern when it's also legal with sorts of plowshares source of plowshares is just heads and tails above it um, yeah i got to talk about this a little bit because as i was tweeting furiously to get people to vote for sorts of plowshares in the magic bracket people kept criticizing it and saying oh path to exile is basically just better which is completely insane they're not close at all Giving your opponent a basic is a serious drawback in a lot of cases. And the best comparison, if I look at MTG Top 8 right now, a site that collects all different Top 8s from competitive tournaments, legacy decks that play Swords to Plowshares don't even bother with Path to Exile unless they want it in the sideboard. If I do limit that search to decks that do play both, all of those decks average the full play set of swords they all play four swords to plowshares and only 1.1 copies of path so 
people are playing it in the main when they want a fifth swords to plowshares and that's about it does see a little bit more play when there's not a lot of basics running around so when there's a lot of four color decks and three color decks path to exile is maybe marginally better because there's no basics so it has no downside but that's just that's a logical fallacy swords of plowshares is just always better I can see at that point you want to bring Path in out of the sideboard because they're not getting any value, but you still just play Swords. It's much better. I think the awfulness of many of these cards just illustrates how powerful Swords is compared to these cards that they put in standard environments now. Path to Exile being the closest, but still it's only a moderate facsimile of Swords. Yeah, so here's a question, though. What's the closest we can get to make Swords of Plowshares permissible in standard? So not making it good but like what's the closest weak card we can get to where you're like yeah okay we can have a swords of plowshares type effect in standard and it's fine you sound like you have a suggestion oh i do i think it already exists i think they need to reprint it it's literally called exile <laughs> exile that's uh that's from alliances yeah it's from alliances it's two colorless and a white you exile target non-white attacking creature and you gain life equal to its toughness Okay, so it's basically Swords to Plowshares, but it costs two more generic mana. The creature has to be attacking, and it has to be non-white. But you and can... it's toughness and not power. But you gain that life. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it has upside. It costs a little more, but it, there's enough hoops that justify the upside. Like, you still stay... Like, imagine playing this against a burn deck. Like, you would love to have two or three more life. Like, that's that blanks a bolt. That's fantastic. I think my take would be Devouring Light. Oh, that's a good one. Uh, yeah, Devouring Light was one white-white for an instant. It was from uh, M15. It was an uncommon in that set. And it said, Exile, Target, Attacking, or Blocking Creature. So it's a little more versatile there. But it also had Convoke. So you could make it cheaper by tapping uh, either any creature that's non-white to pay for the generic mana or white to pay for the uh, white-colored mana. So you know you could tap two white creatures and another creature and get this for free at instant speed. Super cool. Thank you for joining us today to talk about Swords to Plowshares. You can find us on Twitter at RememberMTG or send us an email at RememberSomeCards at gmail.com. If you want to talk about Swords to Plowshares or one single mana white removal, we would love your feedback. And please tell us what cards you want to remember. Um, don't forget to rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast. Please leave a review. Tell us how great or how awful we are. We read every single line you guys write. Until next time, don't forget to remember some cards. <laughs>